today we are wrapping up our eight-part series called Created in God's Image to Reign. And uh, uh, again, you know, based heavily from Jeff Newburn's book, which is an excellent, uh, excellent book. And so, but we're wrapping it up. And, uh, I, I, but before we do, before we wrap it all up, I want to tell you a story. You guys know how I love to tell stories that make me look good, right? I don't think I've been able to come up with one yet. Uh, they're usually ones that make me look bad, and I'm following in the tradition of that today. I want to share a story with you. Um, and it was uh, going back to high school days. We're going back to high school days today. I don't know why. I think some of the f- most fun stories come out of the high school days because you're... You have enough independence to go out and do stupid things. And so it was that season. When you get your driver's license, man, that's just the best. And so, uh, but this is a time I believed that I was growing. I, this, this was a, a time in my life where I can, I can uh, it, during that time, where I thought, man, I'm just, I'm really growing. Things are going really well. Um, <laughs> so I feel like the great and mighty Oz, my voice right now. I'm the great and mighty Oz. Um, but I was in high school. I was super passionate at, about the Lord, you know, and I was a teenager, super passionate. I was passionate about leading others to the Lord. And, uh, man, it's just with my whole heart. And I was, I, I, I had just discovered reading. I know this is going to sound funny. I didn't discover how to read, but I discovered books during this phase in my life because uh, a guy that I knew who was a year or two older than me and I just really looked up to him spiritually, and I just talked to him one time about spiritual growth, and he talked to me about how meaningful books were to him, and I said, I need to get into it. So I was just reading, I was just devouring all sorts of books, and I was growing, and um, I, I was invited to be on the student leadership team at my church, and I had one, uh, a, a handful of my classmates to the Lord, and one day, it was lunchtime, and, uh, and I, you know, it's funny because we're talking 30-plus years ago now. I'm 50 now, so I was in high school. And I remember sitting at lunch, and I was with a bunch of friends, and I had some friends from church, and I had some other friends that I had been witnessing to, and, and friends that I had led to the Lord. And we were all kind of sitting around the table, and we were eating, and we just were kind of talking about the Bible, just talking about God's Word and all these things. And one of the guys uh, at the table, who I'd been witnessing to and had the opportunity to lead to the Lord, and, and he was telling me about this scripture that he learned, right? And he, he, he quoted the scripture, and, um, and I said, well, where, what is that scripture? What's the address, you know? And he, he said, I don't remember. I just remember reading it. And... And I told him that it was useless to quote scripture without chapter and verse. What an a-hole. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, sorry, children. But I, I just remember just saying that in a, in, a, in a real kind of pompous sort of way. Yeah, it's, it's useless. You, you know, you, it's useless to quote scripture without chapter and verse. And I just remember, like, watching his face drop. Because here he was, like, he was so excited to, like, remember a scripture and share it with everybody. And, like, in front of everybody, 
I just was like, I'm like, thank you for flying Total Bastard Airlines, you know? It was just, it was, I couldn't believe it. Like, I'm looking back at myself, and I'm like, I can't believe that I would do that. And watching his face drop, the enthusiasm just, it was like watching his passion just ebb out of his body, just flow, you know? And, uh, and in that moment, all the encouragement that I ever gave him, all of the, you know, praying for you and sharing with him and all those things just meant nothing. Just nothing. And because uh, I just was such a jerk. And even the example that I was trying to live out in front of him just became like just a bunch of noise. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear it anymore. And gosh, you know, isn't that what religion does though, right? <laughs> you know, like... Like, you know, Jesus will lift you up and religion will go, nope, you know. And so there was just no love in what I said. No love at all. There was no love. It was spiritual one-upsmanship. It was Phariseeism. I don't even know, whatever you want to call it. But there was no love in it. And, uh, and it turned that guy, and surprisingly, not surprisingly, some of the other people at the table, kind of away from this whole church thing and away from you know, growing in the Lord and wanting to be a part of it because there was just no love, right? It was not a picture of the Jesus that I'd been telling about all year long. And so, I don't know, maybe if you've, never, you've ever blown it like that, probably not. I, I'm willing to guess you guys have probably never blown it. All you guys are pretty perfect. You're, you're, your witnesses are amazing, and, and it just, it's, just, it's humbling, actually. So, but, uh, you know, maybe you've been there, maybe not. You know, maybe you have. Um, but sometimes, you know, what we do is we blow it in other ways. You know, we lose our temper with our kids in front of family members that we've been trying to get to come to church with us. You know, I got all quiet. <laughs> right? Or, you know, we complain about our company management to our coworkers. Oh, yeah, that's a wonderful Christian thing to do, isn't it? You know? Or... We get impatient or unloving towards others in God's family. You know, sometimes the way God's family treats each other is the worst possible witness, you know, to the world around us. It's, it's so unloving. It's so unloving, right? And uh, what do we do? And, and what does all this have to do with being created in God's image to reign? You guys are like, what? <laughs> we already knew you were a jerk, you know? But what does this have to do with being created in God's image to reign, you know? It has everything. It has everything to do with being created in God's image to reign. And so I want to share a scripture with you, but let me, let me pray real quick. God, I pray that this morning, Lord, that your word would come alive in us and be transformational. God, that, uh, wow, it would, it would change us. And that you would, uh, Lord, show us, God, um, Ah, where we have been maybe unloving. And uh, God, here we are created in your image and we're, we're not always doing a great job of reflecting it by the way we love or not love other people. And so God, I pray that uh, God, that you change us in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what I want to do today, uh, I'm going to read a familiar passage to you. It's one of the most powerful messages in the scripture about 
who God wants us to become, right? Because we're talking about being created in God's image to reign. We've been talking about reflecting Christ, about being more and more like him. And who does he want us to become? And so it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And it says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others. Ah, right? If I could win all my friends to the Lord at school, but didn't love others, maybe we could put that, right? If I could, if I could lead worship like Ian, but not, wor- but not love others, or, you know, if I could greet like Vince, but not love others, or make a cup of coffee like, you know, Jeanette, but not love others, or if I could, you know, all these things, if I could do, if I could make videos like Dan, but not love others, if I could do all these things, but if I could plant a church, but not love others, right? What a waste, Right? said, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And I'm sure, like, in that moment, and back in high school, that's all I was to that kid at that moment. Just <laughs> noisy gong, clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. I think if you've been in church more than like a year, you've probably met somebody who knows the word like the back of their hand, but you can't stand them. Right? <laughs> right? But, you're just, but you're just like, I can't stand being around that person. There's just no love. There's just no love. Right? I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Right? You give me that. If I volunteered at camp... If I was part of Royal Family Kids Camp, right? If I was a counselor, if my kid at camp was the most difficult kid, but I didn't have love, I might be able to boast about it, right? But nothing, nothing is gained. So if remember one thing this morning about reigning in Christ, okay? Because we've been talking about reigning in Christ for the last uh, eight weeks. If you remember anything, remember this. Love is the ultimate goal. Love is the ultimate goal to reigning in Christ. It's all, it's all about love. It's all about love. It's all about love, right? Last seven weeks, we've been talking about reigning, growing, praying. We've been talking about mindset and talking about reigning over our money and reigning over, you know, uh, reigning in Christ and, and, uh, and our identity. But God makes it clear that loving him is the most important activity. Loving him is the most important state of being, right? Loving God is a state of being, and it's the most important. It's the most important. That's it. We can go home. Loving God is the most important, right? And loving others. When Jesus asked, what's the most important commandment? You know, I, I love it. I love watching the Pharisees trying to get Jesus in a corner and the, in the Gospels because Jesus' answers are always so awesome. You know, they're so amazing. And he's asked at one point, what's the most important, Rabbi, what's the most important commandment? You know, obviously trying to get Jesus to, you know, like pick a commandment so that, that, so that the Pharisee can go, oh, so that one's not important to you, right? Sort of like Pharisees are like the modern media of that time. And Jesus, I just love his answer. It's so perfect. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Love others as yourself, right? He says it's just all about love. It's all about loving God and loving others. And so if we're so busy, you know, kind of 
building our thing. Everybody kind of has their own little kingdom, don't they? You know, we're all built. We, we, we build our business. Some people, it's about their ministry. Some people, it's about their man cave. Some people, it's about their, you know, portfolio. Some, whatever. We're all kind of build, building our things and growing our things. And, and if we're, we do and we neglect loving God and loving people, then something is terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. Because love lies at the very center of God's heart. Love is at the very, very center of God's heart. So it's about loving, about being loving, right? Okay? So how do I know? How do I know if I'm growing in love? This is so, it's such an important thing because if, it, when we talk about love, a lot of times we, we equate it to like a, like a sentimentality, right? Like a, like a, Oh, what's the word? Like an endearment, almost. You know, we, we think of love as, as this feeling or this sense of endearment or whatever. And, uh, and really, I think that love can be measured. Love can be measured just like anything else can be measured, right? Um, because, and so we should be able to stop and ask ourselves and look at our lives, right? We can measure if we're growing physically healthy, by, you know, taking a look at our weight and exercise and our, you know, uh, blood pressure and all those things. We have, we have metrics in that. But in, in loving others, there are metrics as well. And I think it's important that we ask ourselves, how do I know if I'm growing in love? Well, one question is, am I in disunity with my spiritual family? Am I in disunity? That's, that's a big question. All right? Am I in disunity? Do I have disagreements? Do I have hard feelings? Do I have offenses? Ah, that's a tough one. He got real quiet because a lot of people carry offense. I'm offended by this. I got a disagreement here. I'm offended by that. I got, you know what I mean? Do we have those things in our lives? And I get it that every once in a while we go through seasons, you know. Every once in a while that happens. But has this been sort of a recurring thing in my life? To another offense, more hard feelings, more disagreements, right? Um, how do I know if I'm growing in love? Am I in disunity? And if those things seem to kind of crop up regularly in your life, or if these always seem to, if there always seems to be drama, right? You know, some people it seems like there's just always drama in their life. Right? Some people, it's like, there's always drama in their life, and it's always everybody else's fault. I'm like, well, then why are you center stage in that drama all the time? Right? It, if there is always drama in your life, if there's always offenses and hurt feelings, and you're always kind of angry at somebody, you probably need to grow in love. That should be an indication to you, just like if you were to go to the doctor, and the doctor says, hey, you know what? Your, your, <laughs> you know, your blood pressure is way too high. Uh, your variable heart rate stinks, uh, you know, all those things, you know, you've you got to stop and do something. Listen, if there's always drama in your life, you've got to stop and do something, okay? If there's always offense, if there's always somebody you're upset with, stop and do something, okay? And so that means that you're in danger of having your growth in love stunted and stalled out. Stunted and stalled out. Because you know what? Us church people, 
We are amazing at looking like we're growing spiritually, but we're not. We are so good at it. We, we are like the SpongeBob episode where he bought the inflatable muscles. Anchor arms. Y'all remember that one? I'm thinking, right? He looked amazing, but he was as weak as a sponge. And we are like that as Christians sometimes. When we are not, when we don't grow, we're not growing, we're not growing in love, we're not growing, but we can look like we do. Man, we can shoot our hands in the air and we can shout hallelujah and we can, you know, give real spiritual words and language and all those things, but we're not growing. Okay? Y'all following with me? Okay, good. Stay with me. So we're going to look at, real, just real quickly, two ways that we can overcome these obstacles to growing in love. And, and I want you to kind of get this today. So we're, we're wrapping up the series. We're saving the most important one for last. Okay, because next week we're talking about living hidden in God in a social media world, and it's going to be fun. But, uh, and Brandon's going to speak in two weeks. Yeah, all right? Yeah, cool. All right, so, but the first thing is this. Understand suffering and internal growth and seasons. We have to understand that about our life. Um, growth does not happen in a straight line. Or some exponential curve. Right? That's not how growth happens. Our life is in seasons. And I, I, I truly believe that there are people who think there's something wrong unless they're on a continual spiritual high. Unless, there's, unless they're on a continual spiritual high, unless they're always kind of riding high, love the Lord, feeling the feelings of elation, and unless that's happening, something's wrong. No. It just means you're alive. It just means you're, you're normal, right? Growth doesn't happen in a straight line. It doesn't happen in an exponential, exponential curve. We get frustrated sometimes uh, when growth and promotion and success and goal accomplishment, when it all doesn't happen as we expect it to, we get frustrated, right? But look at King David. Look at King David, who was anointed king, but it wasn't until years later that he became king. And he went through a whole lot of muck between being anointed king and, and, and becoming king, right? Uh, during his preparation phase, he had to hide in a cave, right? There was a time he was hiding out. He had to hide in a cave for a while while he was being hunted by the current king. And I don't know, you know, what he was thinking at the time, but I, I think, uh, you know, many of us probably would go, did, did, wait a minute, was, did Samuel get it wrong, right? When he anointed me king, did he get it wrong? Did he, did he not hear? Did I not hear right? I was kind of silly to believe, look, I'm in a cave. There's no way. His, his rise to becoming, you know, and growing wasn't this, like this. It was like, oh, I'm anointed king. Right? That's how life is. That's how life is. It's normal. It's normal. All right? When Moses was preparing for leadership, he served as a shepherd in the desert for 40 years. 40 years he spent that. All right? So that's, that's how growth happens. We, we go through. We are people. We go through suffering. We, we, you know, we go through internal growth. There are seasons to our lives, and they're not all summer, Right? And so, as God develops leaders, he seems a lot of times to take them through valleys on the way to the mountaintops. He, in times of suffering, the all-knowing God, the wise God, focuses on our inner lives. That's what happens during suffering. We think that suffering is for no reason, that 
that suffering just sucks and it's just something that will pass, okay? Yeah, suffering sucks, suffering will pass. But in that time, God's focusing on our internal lives, what's happening in here, right? He's forming our character. He's forming our faith. That's what happens in the valleys. He, he teaches us how to place our trust not in ourselves but in him. It's so important that we learn to, and I know this is tough, because when you're in suffering, there's, it just sucks, right? But it's important that we learn to appreciate suffering. Okay, God, this season really stinks, but I'm going to let you do in me what you want to do. I'm going to put my eyes on you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to obsess over what I'm supposed to do. Right? Because isn't that what we do in suffering? We obsess over what we're supposed to do. And instead, God... I'm going to make you my obsession and just knowing you and just letting you have your work in me. And I've found that when we go through those seasons of suffering and when we learn to just go, God, okay, God, it's all about you. I'm not even going to ask what am I supposed to do. I find that there comes a time when all of a sudden we're doing what we're supposed to do because God sort of leads us to it and we're living it and we're going, oh, this is great. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for the suffering. And thank you for changing me and molding me. And if you're suffering long and hard and eternally, it's only because there's more work God needs to do in you to bring you into that place. All right? You you, you ever notice in movies, it's the guy who says, I'm ready, who usually gets, like, his head cut off? (laughs) Right? (laughs) You know? It's because, I'm ready, put me in, coach. And then, you know, broken vertebrae and being carried off by, you know. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Just patiently wait, all right? And so uh, it's in times of suffering. God is focusing on our inner character. God uses setbacks. He uses disappointments for pruning and for preparation. That's what they're there for. Suffering refines us. Suffering prepares us for glory, Right? Okay, so whatever season we're in, it's important that we cooperate with God in it. Whatever season that you're in, if you're in a, if you're in a winter season, put on a coat and cooperate with God. If you're in a summer season, you know, grab your little circular life preserver and cooperate with God, whatever it is, right? And then the next thing is, so the first thing is understand that suffering, understand internal growth, understand seasons. But the next thing is avoid pride at all costs. Like, we should be avoiding pride like the plague. Avoid pride at all costs. And remember we talked about just a second ago how we're always like, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What do you want me to do? What do I do? When we get our value from what we do, right? Even when we get our value for from what we do for God. When we get our value from what we do and, uh, instead of from God, that's pride. That's pride. Right? When we get our value, when our value comes as being, uh, you know, leading this or owning that or working here or whatever, when our value comes from those things, and a lot of times it's our value from using our gifts because we spiritualize it. God gave me these gifts, and so I'm going to use them, and we get our value from using our gifts. Even that is pride. It's not from God. We get our value from God. Isn't that crazy? Okay? But that's pride. 
The insidious thing about pride. Here's the thing about pride. The worst thing about pride. The worst thing about pride is that pride keeps us from seeing our sins. Pride keeps you from seeing your sin, right? Because you justify your sins. You justify your actions. That person screwed me. I have a reason to be bitter. I have a reason to be upset. You know, it's like pride keeps us from seeing our sins. And it justifies them even. Pride keeps us from seeing that we're prideful, right? Pride will keep you from seeing that you're prideful. That's the, the insidious thing about it. We, we, and again, you know, pride, a lot of times, uh, will, will follow these outward signs of spiritual growth, right? I'm growing spiritually, I'm in the Word. You're not in the Word that much, dude. Do you even pray? Right? Like, like we begin, to, we see ourselves growing because we're piling on the things that we do, which we're getting our value from, right? We, so we think that we're growing, and then we judge other people for not. Uh, they're not, I, they're probably not even in prayer. I don't, I don't even know if they read their Bibles, right? They probably watch Game of Thrones, you know, whatever it is. But we start to judge other people. We start to judge. Again, that's pride. That's pride. When we begin to hold ourselves up as the standard, and you're not living like I'm living, that's pride. Okay? Pride keeps us from seeing our pride. And if you think, and you're kind of sitting here and you're going, I sure am glad that I'm not affected by pride. Guess what? <laughs> right? So if you're here and you're just like, I'm glad I don't have a pride problem, you do. You really do. You really do. Right? So going back to the main point, if there's hard feelings, if there's offenses, if there's defensiveness, that's a, that's a big part of pride as well. You know, this, this need to defend. Right? If there's defensiveness... If there's hard feelings, if there's offenses, there's drama in your life, you may have more pride than love. You may have more pride than love. And pride keeps you from growing. And that's what we want to do. We want to grow. We want to grow. We don't want to just look like we're growing. We want to really grow. Right? And so remember our key verse. Right? You could have it all, but without love, it's worthless. It's all worthless. Trust me, it's worthless. It's worthless. So, but when we... I have love for God and for others, and we're walking in who God has called us to be, we reflect and glorify Jesus. We're walking in humility. We're walking in patience and love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and self-control. We're walking in these things. We're glorifying Him, and we're loving. We embody being created in God's image to reign. Wow, imagine that. Imagine that. It's about love. It's all about love. It's all about love. And so as we close this morning, what I want to do is, all I want to do is just take like a minute or two to take some inventory. Just we're going to take a little bit of inventory. And I think the questions might be on the back of your bulletins, but if they're not, then just I want you to think. Right? The first question is this. What am I doing for God where love is not the ultimate goal? What am I doing for God where love is not the ultimate goal? That's a big question, isn't it? Where's Wendy? Why don't you, you can come up here, Wendy. Um, 
The second is, is there an area of suffering? This is important. Is there an area of suffering that I'm complaining about instead of embracing and letting God work in me? Right? A lot of times we do this with our jobs. You know, I, I, I think I heard some sort of crazy statistic where it was like, you know, 60% of people hate their jobs. You know, and they go to their job and they get the water cooler talk and they complain and they believe that the management doesn't know what they're doing. And, you know, they might as well just say, if they let me run this place, we'd be Fortune 500, you know. And, uh, but is there an area of suffering? Is there suffering? that I'm complaining about instead of embracing and letting God's work be done in me. Maybe it's singleness. And some people complain about their singleness, you know, and, and they complain about it instead of just letting God have their work in them, right? Um, instead of embracing and letting God's work be done. And, and last thing is, is where besides God am I getting my value from? Where besides him, right? Is it in your possessions, right? A lot of times we get our value from the three Ps, you know, positions, possessions, and pleasures, right? That's where we get our values from, our position and our job and, you know, our possessions, our income, or the things that we own, or the things that we feel uh, bring us some measure of status, our pleasures. Look, look how, you know, look how I'm on vacation. Look, I'm at the beach. Look, I'm at the beach, everybody. <laughs> like nobody's ever seen a beach before, right? <laughs> right? And so where are you getting your value? Is it in your talent? Is it in your ability? Is it in your skills? Is that where you're getting your value? That's not getting your value from God. And uh, so I just want to pray. I just want to pray. I, I, I'm not going to give you a specific, whoosh, let's wrap this up in a neat bow, because what I really want you to do is just let God speak to you and work in you over the next few days about this. And so uh, why don't you stand, and I'm going to pray. If you need prayer this morning for any reason, We'll have a couple members of our prayer team back there. And uh, they've got little lanyards on. They'd be happy to pray for you. Um, I don't know, we have one of our prayer team members out sick today, so we might need a couple of our prayer team members to pinch it. So uh, feel free to go back there, prayer team people. But if you need prayer this morning, go back and see them and get prayer. But I'm going to pray for you. Let's just ask God to work in us. God, we love you so much. We thank you for challenging us. Thank you, God, that sometimes your word sort of like pokes at areas and it's very uncomfortable. And, I, and God, you do that because you love us. And Lord, I pray that we would be people who are loving, who reflect Jesus, who avoid pride, God, who understand the seasons of life that you bring us through and that we are patient and appreciative of them, God. I pray, Lord, that we would be the most loving people that Christians, that the world will be able to look at the church and go, those are the most loving people right there. We would love you and love others, God, for your glory. Because it's all about love. 
to help us to grow in love. In Jesus' name, amen.